With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vecini. We are presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is in the building. We're doing a mock draft, as you can see, live via satellite. What's going on? What up, Ben? Uh, I'm really excited. This is like sort of the end of the road a little bit for us. We've done a million mock drafts. This is probably our last one, I, I hope, live here uh, amongst our, Jesus, our friends. You, you act like we're like never going to speak again. It's the not. end of the road for us. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's the end of the road for like the draft. I, I feel like we've talked about these guys so much. That it's like just pick them. So we're just going to pick them here, go through alternating order as we did the inverse of the last podcast. But these ones are always fun. These ones are always fun. We're going to have a great time here. We're going to talk a whole bunch of shit. Uh, most importantly, though, new news. Game Theory Podcast has co-producers now. We got yes. Jacob and Zach on the ones and twos. I can't handle all this shit. Like, there's no way that I couldn't, that I could, like, do all the production stuff. We got some bells and whistles here, baby. Jacob and Zach, we're going to flash them up on the screen. What's going on, boys? Nothing much, man. Just ready to listen to you. Two experts give me some draft <laughs> advice, you know. <laughs> Got my pen and paper oh. ready. And Let's go. Sharpie, ready to go. Notes. This is a real production now. We have producers. There's people on payroll. This is no longer – I mean, we're still in the living room and whatever side room you have with holes oh, in the wall in Australia, but we're doing our best. <laughs> yeah, I have like a random office. It's all good. We're fine. Yeah, we love all the right. Australian time zone hours. The best out. Uh, it's perfect. Hey, Penny's been. You guys are East Coast. Penny's been dealing with it for years. Like I, I have, here. yeah, literally three years. Been dealing with it. Penny's putting his child to bed, and then like coming on to the show. Meanwhile, oh, Jacob and Zach are snuck downstairs, fucking around yeah. in Chapel Hill. You, you, yeah, you guys just woke up from a bender. From from like, hey, hey, got to roll out of bed. It's eight, what is it, eight o'clock. Okay, yeah, we're good. Literally okay, rolled we, off uh, the couch straight here. <laughs> yeah, I love you get it. a pillow behind you, just move. like roll out of like Grandpa Joe from uh, Willy Wonka. But yeah, we're here. I wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, we're going to get rid of Jacob and Zach. Thanks, guys. Uh, we will get back to you maybe at the end if there are some crazy questions. Let's go, Matt. We are going to discuss the 2022 NBA draft. As Matt alluded to earlier, the way that this works is that we go in alternating order. I'm going to go first because Matt went first last time. We're going to pick the guys that we think each team should pick. We are not doing a prediction here. We are doing a what we would do mock draft. So that might be a little bit different than what you would anticipate maybe, but we're excited. We're here. We're ready to go. You were locked locked in. You have, you had the smallest headphones of all time. They're the biggest headphones of all time. I have my snacks prepared, ready to go. We're going, we're doing it. Let's, um, let's lock in guys. Let's be serious here. This, this shit is not real. This shit is not real. Now here's, here's the thing with the headphones. Y'all been giving me so much shit about my headphones for years. In reality, it's not because of that. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, Sam, Sam, acquiescing. Saw, Sam saw Top Gun and get really excited. Just wanted to be a part of it. He, he wanted to relive <laughs> being Maverick out there one more time. I am not acquiescing to the masses here. 
It's because I've put on probably, I don't know, 12 pounds since the start of draft season started. And I wrote this mock draft. Oh, man. The big headphones, they thin out the face. That's the that's 93,000 yeah. words for 12 pounds. I hope you are happy. Rate, review, subscribe. Order it on The Athletic. This is Sam's uh, Magnus Opus, whatever we want to call it, every single year. And, and actually do buy it because when it comes out, I'm going to have to take a few hours and, and read as much as possible. But we'll give you some sneak peeks here, too, on our little mock draft show. We will. Okay. Penny, you ready to get going? Let's do this thing. Let's do it. Okay. Four-minute intro. We did well here. With the number one overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft, I'm going to break Matthew Penny's heart. Here it comes. I am taking Chet Holmgren for the Orlando Magic. I have been firmly on the Jabari Smith train for a long time. Yes. And I love Jabari Smith. I think, frankly, he's probably a little bit better of a fit with Orlando than Chet is. I just would feel really dumb not taking my number one overall player at number one, regardless of the fit. I think Chet Holmgren has the highest upside of any player in this class. I think his anticipation defensively is the best, you know, defensive awareness that I have seen uh, in a prospect in a long time. And on top of that, he plays a style of basketball that is tailor-made for the modern NBA. I don't think he's going to have any problem playing and staying on the court in the playoffs because he's mobile enough to switch. He can shoot. He can play, uh, you know, and handle the ball out on the break a little bit. He can grab and go. I also think Orlando is relatively well set up to insulate him early in his career as he develops with the presence of Wendell Carter there. Yeah. Wendell Carter is going to be able to take on a lot of the tougher assignments at the center position early on as Chet comes in can play more of the Evan Mobley style role with Cleveland where he played as a four man. Now Evan's a bit more mobile than Chet is. I don't necessarily see him as being uh, that good as a switch defender as Evan is. I think Evan is a genuinely special guy in that regard, but I really, at the end of the day, I would feel dumb not taking my best player. If this is a, what we should do mock draft, I would feel dumb not taking my number one overall player, even though I have the, like split between Chet and Jabari as razor thin. I think it is so close. It's definitely close. Chet's number one on my board, as as we know, we've discussed many, many times over from the role, right? Like he can come in and from day one, defend, run the floor, be big from the perimeter. He's also working with a shooting coach and the form looks improved. It does. He still shot 39% from three. And the narrative saying he has a broken jumper makes it seem like he shot 25% from three, which, which isn't true. And when you have 14 points per game, just under 10 rebounds, 3.7 blocks in 27 minutes, while not even really showing the full package either. I mean, I've watched Chet Grassroots. I watched him in college. I watched him pre-draft. There's more to him than what he showed. He's accepted that role as a number two next to Jalen Suggs growing up. Uh, He had his star moments at Gonzaga, but it was still kind of Drew Timmy's team. So he's okay being this, like, plus role guy. And it makes me encouraged, too, that he can start slow, still have an impact, then possibly be – an actual dude by like year three there. Yeah. Is there a narrative that Chet's shot is broken? Just that it's kind of slow. It, it happened. So what happened was it was, it was non-conference. It was, he can't really shoot. Then he was on fire in the WCC. And then toward the end of the tournament, it was like, eh, it's a little hesitant. It's not really falling. People weren't really using it as like a, a true weapon, despite the, the numbers, unless it was like a trail or three. I'm saying like, have more faith in the shot. That's kind of been given to him throughout this. 
let's just address the weight. Like it's a thing. Um, you're betting on the human being to get stronger. Uh, and at the end of the day, I don't know that there's any human being that you and I would bet on more than Chet Holmgren, right? Like just yeah. figuring it out. Uh, he is incredibly professional. He's incredibly competitive. That If you're betting on a person, this is the person to bet on. So I'm willing, like if I didn't have that background intel, I would be much more on board with the questions about his frame. But I mean, you know, Chet better than anyone in the public sphere. Like there, th- this is a situation where every flag is like, let alone, you know, red flags, right? Like obviously no red flags here. Every flag is green from a personality perspective. Right. Like it is just like perfect, pristine go. You're, you're not seeing complacent, non-worker, low character for any of this stuff. He's committed to yeah. doing that. He's put on weight. He has. I, I know it seems insane because he still is out there. But if you go back and, and look pre-Gonzaga where he was, and I don't think the transformation is going to be as crazy as the Giannis stuff we've seen down the road. But he'll get there. He will. It's going to take some time. I, I don't think taking him number one, you expect him to be like this unbelievable star guy from the jump. But he will get there. Okay. Penny, you're up. Number two. Great. I I prepped for this exact opposite order. But number two, I'm still very happy. As you said, a a razor-thin margin between these two guys. And I'm going to take Jabari Smith from Auburn. Uh, The fit here actually opens up me to take some more five-ish type guys with the later Thunder pick. But we'll get there. Everyone needs a shooter. It helps that he's six foot ten and shoots 42% from three. Similar to Chet, I don't think he's going to be called upon to be a star. And I don't want to shortchange him either because we, we talk about Chet's ceiling a lot and his upside being so high. Jabari Smith Jr. has a high ceiling too. I don't know if it's as astronomical as Chet's may be, but he, he's gotten better since high school in USA basketball. He plays with the real edge. And, yeah, he needs to do more off the bounce, finish more by the rim. If he gets there and the defense allows him to guard threes and fours and a little bit of twos and maybe just like hold on, on fives for a second there, he's well-deserving of the number one slot. I'd be very happy with him getting him second overall. And at Oklahoma City, too, he's okay with being a piece. And we talk about pieces here. And I, I just look back to the current NBA playoffs, and people kind of poo-poo this draft a little bit. So there's no true, like, number ones. Jason Tatum has not been great all the time for the Celtics, but those number two-ish guys are the reason that the Celtics are still in the series. Steph Curry was 7 for 22 from the field the other night. Golden State won by 10 because Jordan Poole was good and Clay Thompson was good and uh, Draymond Green steps up in moments. Andrew Wiggins had 26 points. So there's nothing wrong with being like not the number one option for a lot of places. If that's what he is at, at number two with Oklahoma City, it's, it's a great building block to have at uh, the top of the draft here. Yeah, I don't – look, I think Jabari and Chad are 1A and 1B. In terms of the way he fits with Oklahoma City, I love it. Like I think it just makes a lot of sense. He's going to be – such an impressive weapon as a scorer next to someone like Josh Giddy slicing and dicing and making plays uh, next to Shea Gilgis Alexander. He's really going to space the floor for Oklahoma city in a way that Shea could use. And Josh certainly needs uh, this is also a team that really loves to just let their bigs grab and go on the break under Mark Daniel. Like Jabari Smith is going to be very comfortable rebounding the basketball, pushing in transition, you know, finding Josh Giddy and then maybe running to a corner or just going and creating something himself and pulling up for three. We've seen a lot of that this year at Auburn. I think it is a pristine fit. I absolutely love uh, everything that Jabari Smith brings to the table uh, for Oklahoma City. Uh, it is a it's a great acquisition, I think, there. 
Yeah, great pick there. You are up number three, my friend. Where the Houston number Rockets. three, I am going Paulo Bancaro to the mm-hmm. Houston Rockets. And I, I am doing this in part, look, I am someone who has Jaden Ivey in the same tier as Paulo Bancaro, Chet Holmgren, and Jabari Smith. Yep. But at the end of the day, I love the idea of pairing Paulo Bancaro with Jalen Green and let those two run a two-man game that will be very, very impressive that will uh, actualize themselves, right? Paulo, I've mentioned before, he is a phenomenal passer and playmaker. Uh, his ability to short roll and then find kickouts to his teammates, his ability to just run offense, like you can just give him the ball straight up at the top of the key, or you can give him the ball and have him bring it up the court in transition, have him run ball screens with Alper and Shengun. Like Shengun Bancaro lineups, while I am terrified of those. Yeah, defensively. defensively. What, what are we doing? There? If I am a Houston Rockets fan, <laughs> those lineups are going to be incredibly fun offensively yeah. because both those guys can really pass. They can really play make with the ball in their hands. Uh I love the idea of surrounding Jalen Green with guys who can really pass and make plays. Uh, you're going to be able to find, you know, Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr. off of cuts. You're going to be able to find Alperin Shengun in the dunker spot. Like, oh my God. I, I you know, Paula Bancaro, you know, in the dunker spot from Shengun passes. Right. It, it gives them so much flexibility in terms of making plays out of a motion offense. I think that I am a big fan of Paula Bancaro at number three to the Houston Rockets. I am too, and I want to add something here from both you and I, and we talked to different sources, people here and there throughout the draft. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Apollo doesn't go two or, or maybe even one. I don't think these picks are as set as they're being made out to be. He's looked phenomenal during the pre-draft process. He's gone in and crushed everywhere. The feedback has been overwhelmingly positive. I wouldn't be like taken aback and fall out of my chair if he ends up at two. If he's there at three, I similarly like the fit with, with Jalen Green. Uh, I would have night terrors about what we kind of do defensively and the other pieces we put around him, but too high of a, a prospect. To, I, I wouldn't hesitate because I took some front court guys last year. I wouldn't hesitate because Christian Woods there. Paul Mancaro is too good. You take him off the board at three, and that works for me. Yeah, and I think he is a completely reasonable number one overall pick. The reason I don't have him at number one is I worry a little bit about the defense. Yeah. And I worry about what the defensive role is, particularly. Uh, I think that, like, the question that I've been asking myself is, is there a world where we can play Paulo Bancaro at center and not hemorrhage points defensively? I I don't really think so. I think you're almost always going to want to play him with a center, but I also don't really want him running off of actions where, like, fours can go up and set ball screens and set him up against ones, right? Yeah. That worries me quite a bit. And then... On top of it, the question here is one of scalability, right? Mm. Do you think that Paulo Bancaro is ever going to be the number one option on like a conference finalist team? My answer is yes until you said conference finalist team, which I would say maybe. I'm not there as him being the guy to push a team into the first round, the second round, beyond that. But how many guys really are there that we can say that? Maybe Maybe 10 at tops, right? Am I putting in that conversation? No. Can you run the offense yeah. through him because of his passing, because of his shot creation? Yeah, you can. Does that translate to winning if the defense isn't necessarily there? TBD. But he's the guy I'd say most most in this class that would fit that bill if I just had to blindly yes. make that call right here, right now. 
Yeah, and my thing is that it's a question of scalability to winning situations on the elite level. And maybe that's overthinking it on some level, right? I think that Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren are just a little bit more scalable to like NBA finalist teams or, uh, you know, conference finalist teams. Whereas Paulo is going to be great on offense and I believe in him. I just worry a little bit about what the role looks like defensively in terms of scalability uh, to winning situations in the playoffs. But and frank, that's and frankly, small. that's frankly that's why I have him at three and not one or two. Okay, you are up. Number four. I'm up. I'm up with the Kings, number four, and I get the number three guy on my board. I'd be doing backflips here if I were the Kings, and I'm going to take Jaden Ivy from Purdue. And this is a best available type of pick. I really wouldn't think too much beyond that or worry about fit. If I'm the Kings, the Kings picks have been weird. Uh, I don't want to say they don't make sense, but just more like off the board with Davion Mitchell last year when they had De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. I think they used like some math equation to draft Nick Stauskas eighth overall in 2014. They haven't made the playoffs since 2006. The name should be Jaden Ivey. He's the top player left I have on my board at four, three on my personal board. Call it a hedge potentially, but we could look back, and this is the guy that I circle in this class in three years and say, we blew it. He should have been number one unequivocally. How do we all miss? 17 points, five rebounds, three assists this season at Purdue. The NBA is about change of pace and hitting the turbo, and, and that's who he is. He calls it the Baja burst when he hits the Jets. The passing and the reads, I'd say especially in transition, are night and day from where they were a year ago. I want him to improve in the mid-range. That's like the big gap offensively be a little bit more decisive out of those pick and roll stuff and, and hit a mid-range jumper don't do this weird kind of push up make it a floater make it a dunk use your left hand on the, on the left side of the basket if this is the pick there's some interesting combos with a, a downhill De'Aaron Fox and a cleared outside for dribble handoffs with Sabonis like Houston the defense would scare me a little bit with De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey Jaden Ivey has the tools but hasn't necessarily shown the commitment to consistently do it on that end I had him as a guy in the 20s a year ago. He made some fixes to the broken aspects of his game. I expect him to do the same at the next level. I would be elated with the Kings taking him fourth overall. So I agree with you. I'd take him and just not really think twice. Yeah. I would try and move up if I was the Kings, to be honest. Like I'd try and do what I can to get that number two overall pick. I think it'd be hard with Sam Presti. But I also have... The, the only thing that really worries me about Jaden Ivey is like his total complete and utter lack of mid-range game. Yeah. Uh, he just does not have it. And I am so, so confused uh, as, as to why that is. Like, I think it could be a touch thing, but he has touched from three off the catch. Uh, it's not like a great pull-up player right now, but when you can pressure the basket like he can, I think you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> Matthew Penny, we have breaking news. We have an in-draft trade. Wait, what? <laughs> no, we don't. Christian Wood is going to the Dallas Mavericks. <laughs> Wait, does this actually happen or is this like a fantasy Oh, no, this thing? is actually happening. Yeah, this is not oh, like me. nasty. Okay. I was like, I don't like, like this. I don't. I can't keep up. All right, so, no, Paul's, no. so Paul's a pick. I feel great about that pick now. Awesome. Who do they get back? Don't tell me they got a pick and I have to scramble here. The So according to Sham Sharania, my colleague over at The Athletic, 
The Mavericks are sending Boban Marjanovic, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, Marquise Chris, and the number 26 pick to the Rockets for Christian Wood. Wait, 26 uh, becomes the Rockets. It's essentially 26 in salary ballast for Christian Wood. Okay. I'm updating. I have the 26 pick here. Uh, that's cool. All right. That's fun. I feel even better about Paolo. Just in the front court, you needed more freedom to kind of explore that. They drafted Usman Garuba and Shangun a year ago. That clears out just more space, more minutes, more development, and shows me that they're committed to this whole process too. It's not like, hey, we have to win right here, right now. If you're trying to win right here, right now, you probably hold on to Christian Wood and run that as far as you can. Yeah, I love this for Houston. I think it's really smart. You get a number, you get a first round pick for Christian Wood. I think you've done well. Bigs on the market are difficult to move. And uh, yeah. I'm not, look, Longtime listeners of this show know that I am not an enormous Christian Wood fan. I don't like guys who are non-entities on defense. Um, and he just does not give consistent effort on that end. Maybe putting him in a winning situation will actualize him in a real way that allows him to take advantage of some of the tools he has. Like He is not a guy that is toolless defensively. Uh, he is somewhat mobile. And he can block shots from the weak side. It's just consistency with him. And if I was a Rockets fan, I would be ecstatic about this. I understand what Dallas is thinking here to an extent, if only because you want a guy who can space the floor and shoot threes next to Luka Doncic. But is he better? Like we talked about how Dallas had potentially been shopping this pick too. We we talked about that for about a week yeah, or two. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad I'm not on Twitter now. When we record I put my phone away because the the Alper Shangun hive must be celebrating and screaming and singing in the streets that he has a an actual cleared out role to play next season too. Yeah, and look, it's another like First round pick for the Houston Rockets, a team that is rebuilding. That makes sense. Dallas, I'm just a little bit confused why Dallas. Dallas made the conference finals this year. I, I don't know, man. Like they have, they have enough bigs. Like they have Dwight Powell. Is is Christian Wood in a playoff setting where he is going to be in the corner, away, like not on the ball, Mm -hmm. because Luka Doncic is going to dominate the ball. Is he that much better than Maxi Kleba? Like, is he is he a more because of Maxi Kleba's defense and his ability to also shoot and space the floor? I'm if, I'm not you, like totally sure because Maxi is really good way, on defense. Because all the other pieces though are kind of just salary balance, right? And a little bit of like throw-ins. Would you rather have? Well, let's dumb it down. Would you rather have Christian Wood or the 26 pick in this draft? I mean, I would rather have the 26th pick in this draft. The other part of it is Christian Wood is on an expiring deal. Um, yeah, this, but, this thing this thing also gets messy after 20. And if I can get a, a known commodity that we know has, yeah. I don't want to say upside, like he produces. Christian Wood's good. Like we we can debate other stuff, but I think I, I like this for Dallas, believe it or not. Is it significant upgrade? No, but it, it's more talent and a court that Luka Doncic desperately needs. Like that was that was the scout. Who can we get to? To help him, I was targeting guys at 26 that were instant offense off the bench, kind of yeah. the backcourt to because Jalen Brunson might be out the door with free agency and need somebody there. But if you can get that in the front court, I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah, and like it's not it's not a terrible trade either way. Like I'm I'm not sitting here just like absolutely crushing it. I just have some 
concerns. Like, I wonder if Dallas could have better utilized the 26th pick as a trade asset to acquire somebody different that maybe I personally like better as a prospect. Um, Maybe that's a fair way to put it. Uh, Okay, let's go to number five. We are up with the Detroit Pistons. I'm going to go. I'm going Ben Matherin at number five. Whoa. Okay. The draft has turned. All right. And I just think he has more upside than Keegan Murray. That's the reason. Like, I I think he's a little bit safer than Jeremy Sohan and a little bit safer than Dyson Daniels. And I think that he has real substantial upside that is getting underrated. How how much younger do you think Dyson Daniels is than Ben Matherin? Uh, well, Ben Matherin turned what? Twenty? I think he turned twenty two years. I'd say Ben Matherin is like, if I remember correctly, I think it's like seven months old. Oh, really? I thought he did. He just turned oh twenty versus nineteen. Yeah, I was thinking twenty versus right. But this is the thing. I think that we treat Ben Matherin as if he is this older, productive college player, much in the same way that we treat Keegan Murray. Mm-hmm. He's not that. Like, he is a teenager that made the All-American team this year. And he is an incredibly valuable uh, player because of his ability to shoot. I think he has some second side creation upside. Like I, I don't buy him breaking down a defense in isolation, but I think if you get the defense twisting and turning, he's going to be able to attack closeouts, jump stop, get to his floater, jump stop, make kickout passes. Cause he got a lot better at that throughout the season. Defensively, he has all of the tools that he needs to be an effective player to stay on the court needs to give a bit more, um, just needs to give a bit more uh, second and third effort, really. Sure. But maybe that improves. Like, he locks in when he needs to, I think. Like, he was pretty good in the NCAA tournament defensively, and he has all of the aggressiveness and energy that you're looking for from a guy like this. I'm going Ben Matherin, uh, number five overall. I, I I see it. I get it. And there's more shooting. I mean, we, we talk about Detroit, how they need that so badly, and coming off pick and rolls, and that'll actually space the floor. And there's a lot of ways that they can slice it, too, and it's a tough pick to nail down because we don't really know what their offseason looks like yet either. We're kind of doing this also blindly. Uh, is Jeremy Grant back in play? Is DeAndre Ayton really play as a free agent? I think Benedict Matherin or Keegan Murray or Shaden Sharper are like the, the true swings that work. Uh, you went a little bit more ambitious than I would, but I get it. Okay, number six, you are up. So I'm happy at number six. I get the number five guy on my board, and I'm going to take Keegan Murray. Uh, I love Keegan Murray. I do. I, I've not given that at, at all. I, I know it seems safe, but safe doesn't mean he's not going to be a contributing player. This is some bland like ice cream play, flavor that you're picking off the shelf. Like This is a, <laughs> a guy that has a lot to his game with scoring and finishing, yeah. playing in transition, putting up 24 points per game. We mentioned with Chet Holmberg, he's played all the roles. He said at the NBA Combine, he's a 21-year-old in an 18-year-old's body, which I, I loved. And bravo to whoever the pre-draft interview training team that got him to use that line. Or it was just him, even more bravo to him. He's a late, it's a good one. It's a great one because he's a late bloomer. He wasn't a star in high school. Uh, he really wasn't a star at Iowa the, the first year that he was there and uh, known a real true household name in college basketball till this season. People rave about his work ethic, his character, one of my favorites. And there's a front court spot available next to Miles Turner. And you have Brogdon, Duarte, TJ Warren, free agency, continue to build around Tyrese Halliburton, add to your core. He's a day one starter. 
there's going to be an adjustment curve. The age tells us it likely won't be as steep if they take a bigger swing on the younger player. Yeah. No, I, I like this a lot. I think that he makes a lot of sense for the Pistons. I like him as a fit next to Miles Turner, particularly. Yeah. Uh, rebounds the ball, pushes out on the break. Miles is really effective as a trailer, as a three-point shooter, particularly in those settings. I think that you can kind of invert them a little bit uh, on offense where you have Miles spacing out uh, to the three-point line, and then you try and get Keegan in the post on some mismatches. If you like run maybe a one four ball screen with Tyrese Halliburton and Keegan Murray, and they switch it because you want right. to switch Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you get a guard on Keegan. Keegan was actually statistically the most effective post player in all of college basketball this season, according to Synergy. He's really good at taking advantage of those mismatch opportunities. I like it. Yeah, man. Great. All right. So far, so good. This is a fantasy draft that's going well for me. So you're back on the clock here with what? Sixth overall pick? Yeah, I'm up with number seven. Seven. The Blazers. This is a pick that I would probably look to trade, but we're not doing that in this thing. Uh, I'm not saying that I would trade it for anything in particular. Like, like, like I would not trade this pick for Jeremy Grant, but I might try and move down. I might try and pick up some assets and then move something. Uh, I'm going to take Jeremy Sohan here. Ooh, Lordy. Okay. I think a big part of this is I just buy the fit. A lot yeah. like, I, and I buy the talent with Jeremy Sohan a lot. Now I have Jeremy Sohan at six on my board. And I think that's probably on the higher end. The reason is what has Portland needed? Like they've needed guys who are genuinely switchable defenders. Jeremy Sohan has guarded ones in the NCAA tournament. He's guarded fives. He did it in the same game for uh, Baylor against North Carolina. He was guarding Armando Baycott. Our our producers are punching the wall right now as UNC alums. They're like, come on, man. We know. I'm sorry. We survived. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) They survived. That's all that matters. They They got the NCAA title game. Uh, I think he's so switchable. He was comfortable guarding Caleb Love and RJ Davis out there. He was comfortable guarding perimeter players all season. Uh, Offense, it's going to be a project. And frankly, like, I don't know if a Damian Lillard-led Portland Trailblazers team is going to want that project, to be honest. Like, I just don't know what their direction is. Like, are they trying to contend now? Are they trying to rebuild on the fly by bringing back Josh Hart, bringing back Yusuf Nurkic, you know, putting someone like Jeremy Sohan in the middle of those guys and then letting them rock? I worry a little bit about the Anthony Simons and Damian Lillard backcourt. I think that Jeremy Sohan's switchability would really, and his help defensive instincts would really help cover for that a little bit, assuming they bring back Anthony Simons. Uh, I am a big fan. Yeah. I I really just love Jeremy Sohan quite a bit. And I know that the shot is going to take time. I know the offensive side is going to take time. Uh, We'll just have to see how it goes. And, and they do have that spot there at the four where he can slide in. And if they keep the pieces as they are and they don't make any other moves, he's okay. I mean, he played at Baylor where guys were getting up shots, right? Like he, he'll be okay with Dame Lillard and Anthony Simons taking 22 shots each a game because he'll still make his impact felt as a slasher, as a cutter, as a scramble guy with a rebound and going to the basket. Defensively, he'll be all the floor. So I get that, especially from a fit perspective. I had a few ticks lower, but I, I get it. I do. Okay. You're up at number eight. I'm up at number eight, uh, ruining my dreams here. Uh, so I'm with New Orleans, and this pick is from the Anthony Davis trade, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Uh, yes, that is accurate. 
so this is a good team. They were in the playoffs. They pushed the Suns to six games, if I'm not mistaken here as well. So you don't necessarily need the the win now step in. I like their core. I like their nucleus. We're going to take a swing here. They need a little bit of shooting. I don't know if this guy is going to be a shooter, but I'm going to go with Shaden Sharp from Kentucky. And with, okay. with, with, Shane, with Shane Sharp, when you're six foot six with a six ten ish wingspan, and the idea, the concept of him, if if he hits next to Zion Williamson, next to CJ McCollum, next to Brandon Ingram, and Trey Murphy, and your sweet baby Herb Jones, who we love so much, that's a really good young team. And I don't feel like if it doesn't hit, it's this colossal miss where I can't believe we use the eighth pick. This guy has top three pick type upside. We just haven't seen it. He hasn't played basketball competitively in a five and five setting in two years. So it is a, a swing into the unknown. But guys like this don't come around every year either. I mean, it, just the the build, the shot creation that he has, the explosion he has, a transition. He can be one of those guys from the the weak side of a skip pass, attacking a shifting defense. There's a lot of stuff there that plays into what New Orleans already does, and he doesn't come in with the burden of having to be the number one guy if you're a top three pick that he has that latent pressure built in either. So Shane Sharp's my guy for for number eight with New Orleans. So I, I don't mind this. It wouldn't have been my pick, but I don't mind it. The reason that I say that is this is almost certainly going to be the last time New Orleans picks this high. And well, and that plays into it, though, right? If you're picking yeah. this high, this is like the swing. It, it might be a whiff, but like this is like the home run for the fences swing if you're going to be this high. It's a good opportunity for them to really take just a huge fucking cut. This is it. We're cutting, baby. Take a swing. Yeah. Now, typically the Pelicans, like guys that are versatile defensively, you know, they don't really have a problem taking guys who can't shoot, as you know, we've alluded to before. They think that they can make it work. Uh Shaden isn't really someone that like fits what they have done under this regime previously, but that's not to say that they won't start doing this. Uh, I think they could on some level, like I'm a little bit worried about mixing Shaden and Brandon Ingram and Zion, like all of whom are somewhat questionable passers in some way. Uh, you know, I've been using the Anthony Edwards versus Terrence Ross, like spectrum to talk about Shaden sharp. Right. Because mm-hmm. like, I think the line between those guys is a little bit thinner than what people think. Like it's Anthony Edwards intersection of strength and power mixed with explosiveness that allows him to put crazy pressure on the basket all the time mm-hmm. versus Terrence Ross. Who's like a step back artist who can get to a shot and shoot 40% from three. But I don't know. Like I'm, I'm like, I, I think I'm, I have, I've shaded sharp at nine. Like yeah, I'm, that's, I, that's this is not my best. That, that, that's yeah. all it is too. We talk about Portland there. There's this mammoth hole at the four. Jeremy Sohan, get it right. There's not a mammoth hole here. This is a good basketball team that the trade they right. made that the deadline worked. It, it really did. CJ McCollum was awesome. It, it benefited both teams really right for the picks and the trades right. balance off. This is the swing. This is the hack. I'm going to hack with Shaden Sharp. Okay. Number nine. I'm up the San Antonio Spurs. I'm taking Dyson Daniels. I just can't imagine a guy who like fits more what this organization looks for. Uh, he is tough defensively. He is, plays exceptionally hard. He's incredibly smart. Uh, San Antonio has had, you know, good success with like Australian guys previously, like Patty right. Mills. Yep. They have Jock Landall on the team right now. Um, they, they like guys like this that are just low maintenance, but are going to be very, very effective. Is he a star? I don't know. I think he's like an elite, elite, elite 
potential connector, like role player, you know, connective tissue kind of guy. But you know, is, is he going to be like a 20 point per game scorer or a 10 assists per game guy? Probably not, but I think he's going to be, you know, one of the best defenders among perimeter players in the NBA at his peak. He's almost six foot eight with a six eleven wingspan. And he is so on balance all the time and he makes high level passing reads. I, I'm just such an enormous, enormous fan of everything he brings to the table. I'm a fan of everything he's about. Like he was more than happy to take a step back to Jaden Hardy out there chucking shots. Yeah. And then when he got his opportunities, he took them and just thrived. So yeah, the shooting has to get better. I'm with it. I don't think the shot is broken. I think it's a matter of shot prep more than anything else. I'm a fan. I'm a big, uh, big Dyson Daniels believer. Yeah, it's it's a fun pick, and I think it's a pretty fun lineup that they could roll out there with him taking off the rim and, and throwing those laser beam frozen ropes full court to a cutting Keldon Johnson or a cutting Josh Primo, if you will. And it's a great developmental system, too, with Popovich and, and everything they've done to to get guys ready for the next level, their level. They, they won't rush it. If it has to be some time in the G League, they don't care. Could have used some size, too. Maybe they'll do that with one of the later picks in the 20s, but I understand taking Dyson Daniels there as – maybe the the most talented guy left on the board that that fits in a lot of places because of what he does off the ball. It doesn't have to be ball dominant to be effective. Okay, let's go to number 10. This has been so great for me. Every pick I've made, I've been happy to do, and, and this one's going to be fantastic <laughs> too. So the number 10 pick for the Washington Wizards, number seven on my board, I am going to go with Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. Now, the, yes, the number's... Yeah, <laughs> one of my guys. I know the numbers may say something otherwise, and love and mock drafts make you do crazy things. But I'm going to lead on the culture, and I'm going to take Johnny Davis. And the reason is he was the backbone of Wisconsin last season. Going back and watching his defensive tape was probably the most fun I had looking back this season. Has some craft off the bounce, scores out of pick and roll. I think the shot from three will improve. It's another weapon in Washington's backcourt. They need a guard, probably a point guard more than anything. I don't know if I reach for a point guard this high. I think Dyson Daniels would definitely be in play if he slid down from 9 to 10. Washington is a franchise sort of in this weird spot because they need a real number two next to Brad Beal, so like a star. Johnny's not a star, but he'll help every other place on the court. Uh, I believe that they will love him down there. And uh, – yeah, he's he's young, so he, he's going to keep getting better. And with the usage rate going down, I think the offense will improve as well. And he won't take as low efficiency shots. He won't force as much. He won't press the issue. And I think that added energy will also give him some extra pop down the defensive side of the ball too. Man, there is there was no chance I was going to get him to fall nope. to 11, wasn't there? <laughs> no way. Yeah, no. 11's a great fit too. And that, that screaming Johnny Davis with Tibbs watching that defensive film eating his Pirates booty. But uh, yeah, I just deal from you. Sorry. So we now have all of my like tier one, two, and three guys gone. Uh, all of my top 10 are gone in the first 10 picks. So mm. this, this is where this thing really kind of opens up a little bit. Let's get weird. I'm going to take AJ Griffin at 11. All right. I have and yeah, it's, it's, I like AJ Griffin. I think you and I have been a little bit lower on AJ throughout the process than some are, but at a certain point, the ability to knock down shots is just really valuable. Like he is such an elite shooter and has such potential to be uh, such a shot maker and shot creator. Uh, 
I like to think that maybe Tom Thibodeau can instill some real defensive instinct into him. He has all of the tools to be successful defensively other than maybe like flexible hips. Right. Uh, his hip flexibility right now is kind of a mess. And I think it's a big problem as to why he was such a poor defender this year. And I think that if you go back and you watch that tape, it is bad. Like you really need to dive deep into hoping that he can regain some of that flexibility. I just, I just think the shooting upside's too high at this point. Like if he slims down, if he improves his frame, I'm just comfortable taking it. I think they could use a guy like AJ Griffin who could space the floor next to someone like an RJ Barrett. If they're continuing down the road with this youth movement, I think he makes sense next to someone like Obi Toppin, uh, you know, as like a four five man who's rim running all the time. Right. I think he is genuinely a good enough shooter to make up for the defense, even if he doesn't ever shoot uh, or even if he doesn't well, ever shoot. defend. Yeah. yeah, he'll shoot. It's more if he doesn't ever defend. Uh, I think that you're so good at shooting that I'm comfortable taking the flyer here on him at 11. I'm much more comfortable here than I was at number whatever, you know, five, six, seven. And you've made that great point throughout this draft process. You you have him fifth or you have him 12th. He's on a guy that's like eighth on all the boards. Yeah. I have him somewhat And I, I get it either way, by the way. Yeah. Like I, right. I'm, it's totally reasonable to have him at five, I think philosophically and the shooting obviously popped freshman year it stood out he has a home game he played at archbishop stepanak in new york so maybe the familiarity helps too has to do more than shoot has to play some defense you're also going to the blender with tom thibodeau and you better defend because he's not going to like let you take plays off down that end maybe it's the best thing for him too that he's going to be held to a standard to do that to get on the floor uh but hey a a guy we've talked about all over the place was a a top five-ish player in his class got injured dipped back down uh, a lot of mock drafts and, and draft Twitter had him really hard to start the year of what he could be. It, he's an upside swing as well because if he hits it, it does make sense and could be a steal. I'd be a little hesitant just based on the red flags, based on the injury history, but I, I, I get it from philosophically you're trying to improve with a, a youngish guy that best basketball may be ahead of him too. Okay. You're up at number 12. Yeah, so this kind of threw me off uh, because I was preparing for one and two to be different picks. So I picked – I'm picking both picks now for Oklahoma City. Didn't realize that. What up, Schlecht? Uh, so at 12, I took – so you took Chet one. I took Jabari Smith Jr. at two, which means I'm going to take a five here. Uh, if I had Chet, I think I would have gone more four-ish. Usman Jang potentially. Uh, I'm sure they're praying that Jeremy Sohan gets down to them. But I'm going to go with Mark Williams from Duke with the 12th overall pick here. I think he pairs well with Jabari Smith Jr. It's that rim protector behind him at almost three-ish blocks per game. Uh, a very simplified role of rim running, catching lobs, blocking shots. Uh, when he's called upon to, to play defense out on the perimeter, can do that a little bit. Brings a, a more edge, more nastiness. And if we've created this younger front court unit of Mark Williams and Jabari Smith Jr., with our younger guards and Shea Gildas-Alexander and Josh Giddy, uh, We're young. We are. We're going to take our lumps. But I, I like the direction the culture would take with taking those two guys at, at 2 and 12 overall. So, uh, yeah, obviously I did down to dunk yesterday with uh, Andrew Schlecht, Alex Spears, two dear friends of ours. The best, uh, on the, the, best the best, side. the best, the absolute best people. Yeah. I, the more I've thought about Mark Williams – and Jalen Duran to Oklahoma City, the more I don't really love it. 
in Ooh. even if they take Cheddar Jabari at number one or two. The reason that I don't love it is because everything that Oklahoma City is built toward at this point has been five guys that can grab and go on the break, that can play perimeter-based offense, that can uh, you know, hopefully defend at a reasonable level, be switchable defensively. That's why they play like Isaiah Roby at the five at right. times, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Mark Williams and Jalen Duran like don't really do that. And that's not like a terrible thing necessarily. They can adjust. Oklahoma City can adjust certainly, but it is just a, it feels different than what they're doing so far. And I wonder if they would prioritize a center that does something so drastically different from what they want to do in the lottery like this. Totally. At the same time, I'm going to point counterpoint here. Usman Jang is too similar, and I don't know if I want to put him at the three with the lack of toughness defensively next to Jabari Smith. I'd rather just go full nasty boys with Jabari Smith Jr. and Mark Williams, despite them not playing that way. Obviously, yeah. they've, they've gone small with Jeremiah Robinson Earl up front, Roby up front, like you said. But you can change the the pathway a little bit here for a guy like that and uh, rather than go with another guard or another wing, which they have not in abundance, but you kind of have those backcourt spots filled up pretty nicely. Okay, up at number 13, the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I've heard some discussion here about the idea that Charlotte should play off of Cleveland at number 14 and understand Cleveland is not going to take a center and thus should wait to take their center at 15. I would, If I had a center and one of Duran or Williams are off the board, I would be absolutely terrified that someone would trade up with Cleveland to get one of these guys. <laughs> I know. I think you just take the guy that you need at the end of the day. And to me, I would take Jalen Duran at number 13. Okay. And I, I would just take him. I would not play these games about hoping he falls to 15 and then right. maybe hoping Cleveland doesn't take our guy. Yeah. Like I would just take the guy that you think is good. I have one point to make on Jalen Duran uh, to Charlotte. Imagine Jalen Duran catching lobs from LaMelo Ball. Yeah, Superman. Like, cape. like Dwight Howard back what, in the day. Yeah, this is what Jalen Duran is absolutely elite at. He is absolutely exceptional at catching lobs and finishing at the rim. Uh, he can run in transition, full speed, catch with one hand, and just finish like it's nothing. And to me, that's a perfect fit with this team. They want to run. They want to get up tempo. They have Miles Bridges. They have LaMelo. Like, He's a perfect running mate for all of these guys. And on top of it, he has real potential to be the kind of defensive difference maker that they need in the front court long term. Uh, I would not fuck around. I would absolutely just take Jalen Duran at number 13 and take the guy that can be uh, be a true center for a team that needs one that also fits with my point guard. I really wanted you to not do that and me to spoil it and just take a, a center just to do it, just to mess with you. Uh, but, if you but would have I, taken a center at Cleveland, I would have fucking obliterated you. But like, we need depth in the front court. We're good. We're going to resign Colin Sexton. We're guard. What are you talking about? Yeah, Mark and in love oh. off the bench. There's not enough depth. Let's load it up, depth it up. But yeah, I, I get it. I, I have, I think everyone in the world has mar- has mocked Mark Williams or Jalen Dern to that pick. So I get it. Yeah. Okay. You're up. Number 14. Number 14, I'm going to take, and this is a mock draft that we do what we would do. And, and I'm not predicting this to happen because there's been other players tied to Cleveland. But at 14th overall, I'm going to take Malachi Branham from the Ohio State University, the uh, okay. Sam, 
Sam is an alum of Ohio State, so I felt like I was obligated to get him off the board in the lottery. Malachi really came on the second half of the year, averaged nearly 20 points per game, exceptional mid-range shooter, has great elevation as jumper, exploded in the NCAA tournament versus Villanova. And he's young. He's come on here, and it's not the finished product. The problem is defense, and the defensive tape is worse than I could have imagined going back and watching it. But here's the good part. Standing behind him, he has Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. Can have Isaiah Coro, Can have Darius Garland. Mix it up in the front court. In the back court, I'm sorry. His deficiencies are hidden with the personnel they have. And being a, a local kid, sure, he goes back home to, to Cleveland where he grew up. But all the stuff offensively it can get there with the defense. He's going to have to rise to what everyone else is doing behind him. But as a play of a scoring guy that that piece has been – fixated on with with the length too and going off the dribble uh i just really like the fit with cleveland and, and that's the guy i would take there yeah sure seems completely reasonable to me i'm a little bit lower on malachi i have him yeah. like at 21 uh so Ooh. this wouldn't be my pick I, I worry about him defensively and i think that i don't but think it, the jury's out on the shot but like i'm a little bit worried about him moving back to the nba line uh, I, early in his career is what I, I agree. And it's a, it's a low release. It's a little bit more of a push from NBA line, but I feel way better when I have a, a couple all defense NBA guys behind me that's rim protecting and it'll help their numbers too. They'll have a few more blocks per game and that can help them in contract negotiations down the line as well. Yeah. Okay. Number 15. I'm going Tari Eason out of Ooh. LSU. Uh, I have okay. Tari at number, I think 13 on my board, 12 or 13. I'm a big fan. I just really completely and utterly buy his defensive ability for sure. Uh, I think he is absolutely an effective uh, transition player. Again, this is another guy where the Charlotte Hornets need defense, pure and simple. Like they need guys that can come in, they can defend, they can help out uh, LaMelo Ball and Miles Bridges and Terry Rozier on that end of the court. You need energy. You need athleticism. Tari Eason fits that bill entirely. Uh, in a place like Charlotte, I think that he can just literally run the court and get 10 points a game early in his career. Like, and like do other stuff, like cut off the ball. Like, he won't get 10 in transition every game, but like, as long as he runs the court hard, as long as he cuts, as long as he uh, stands still from spot ups from three, you know, from the corners. I think he can work his way into 10 points per game. And I think that the upside is greater beyond that for sure. And I love his defensive energy at a really high level. I think he's very switchable. I think he's a real defensive playmaker. Uh, this is a team that just needs action. It needs almost like unpredictability defensively. Yeah. Like they, they just get very predictable. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, you know, Tari is a little bit wild from time to time, but like the, they, they need the kind of guy that can be really, really, uh, a playmaker on the defensive end, I think. So Tari Eason, uh, 15 to Charlotte. Charlotte ends up with Jalen Duran and Tari Eason. They just got way more athletic. They maintain their ability to play uh, out in transition with LaMelo Ball. I think that's a home run draft. Yeah, we called them league pass last year. So you're not worried about the draft with Kai Jones the year before either. But I, I think of... I don't think you consider it. What was the Suns book and the philosophy with D'Antoni and Steve Nash? Was it seven seconds or less? Seven like, seconds or less. It's yep. just like four seconds or less because the ball's going <laughs> off the rim and they're taking off. Just throw it. Here's Tari. Here's yeah. Jalen Dern. Here's Melo over the head. Like he was doing that in the preseason last year and now has, I don't want to say competent, but just more depth of, of throwing those passes. So I, I get it. I, I have him a, a little bit lower than you do, but I, I understand the pick. Okay. You're up. Number 16. 
Atlanta Hawks. Okay, so uh, I'm going to take a turn here. I don't know if you're ready for this or not. But you have Trey Young, you have Kevin Herter, you have DeAndre Hunter. There's been a lot of guards kind of linked here. It's just some help with Trey Young. Just take some pressure off him, play the point a little bit, play off the ball a little bit. I'm going to take one of the biggest risers up the board in the draft, and I'm going to go with Arizona's Dalen Terry. So Dalen Terry. Not far off of where I have him. Okay. Well, uh, a true jumbo guard at six foot seven. He epitomizes the energy guy. He's bouncy. He's all of the court on both ends. Can scramble on defense. He showed he could push on offense. Showed he could play the point guard position, which he did in the Pac-12 tournament when Kirk Reese was injured with the ankle. And in the NCAA tournament, he showed a little bit more of that too. He's very creative as a driver and passer. Uh, I think Trey Young can play off of that, and he can create more. It's not going to be Trey dribbling the air of the ball 100 times. Like He can go down, get a screen, take a playoff or two, and Dalen can create, throw that over-the-head kickback pass that he loves to do. The shot has to get there because you need to keep the defense honest. I get it. But he's a great piece while also adding to the help of Trey Young. We're building around him, and, and he's a great guy that would take some of that pressure off him from the jump. Yeah, I dig this. This is like the kind of guy that you want to put next to Trey Young. I think, uh, you know, Trey has at times early in his career struggled to play a little bit more off the ball, having Terry, having Kevin Herter, having Bogdan Bogdanovich, like that's enough guys to where Trey should be able to make a bit of a leap playing off the ball. Uh, you know, I think that this is a team, you know, it's been rumored throughout the offseason that they're looking at Rudy Gobert at the very least. I have no inside information onto that. That is purely coming from the media reports. For the love of God, do not aggregate this. Uh, <laughs> no aggregation pod. That's the, the subtitle of Game Theory. Yeah, but this is a team that is ripe for a consolidation trade. Like, I think yeah. it makes a lot of sense for them to consider packaging this pick even within a consolidation trade. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan. Okay, you are up here at number 17 with the Houston Rockets. The Rockets still have that pick? That wasn't part of the, the Christian Wood trade we discussed, right? The Rockets still have that pick. Okay. I'm going Ty Ty Washington Ooh, at okay. number 17. Uh, look, of guards. I have Ty Ty. I have Ty Ty at number 14. I'm a big fan of Ty Ty. I think he's a really, really good fit next to Jalen Green. The reason for that is I think he does a lot of the things that Jalen Green doesn't on the offensive end. He's a really high-level passer. He's a really high-level processor of the game. Not to say that Jalen Green like isn't. I think that he's still learning in that regard, and we'll get there in time. But Ty Ty's passing ability, his shooting will play off the ball really well next to Jalen Green. Uh it's just a really, really smart pick. Jalen's going to be able to collapse the defense. Then he's going to be able to kick it out to Ty Ty, like on the weak side. And then Ty Ty is going to be able to get into the paint that way with an advantage, make passing reads. He's an elite level mid-range player. He shot 57% on floaters this year. He shot 59% on shots from eight to 16 feet this year. He is uh, absolutely awesome as an offensive player. Uh, Defensively, I have some concerns. I think you just, figure it out early in their careers. You have Ty Ty, you have Jalen Green, you have Paulo. You probably need to pair them. You have Alper and Shangun as well. You probably need to pair them with elite level defensive players off the bench. I think that the Rockets should be accumulating talent and trying to figure out what to do with it. Accumulate talent that makes sense next to Paulo Bancaro and Jalen Green. Yeah. Uh, Ty Ty Washington makes a lot of sense next to those guys. 
The only added point I'll, I'll have on that is that Ty Ty played out of position this year at Kentucky. He had to play a lot Huge. of two guard next yep. to Severe Wheeler. But it's also a blessing in disguise because he's ready for that more off-ball role, but we know he's more naturally on-ball, and they can just flip back and forth with Jalen Green. It's not going to be this huge hole offensively if he has to go to the two or he's back to the one. He needs to be able to shoot from three. has to fix the footwork. Don't take these long twos. Uh, he, he finish by the rim or take threes, right? It, it can't be all mid-range, but I like the passing reads. I like him on a pick-and-roll. I have a little bit lower. I have him at uh, 22, but we're here. I get it. It's a fifth for the guard, so we're on a run of yeah. guards right now. Okay, you're on 18. Okay, we're on 18 with the Chicago Bulls. Uh, my guards are off the board, so I, I am going to take another guard right now, and this one's definitely going to be higher than you, but I'm going to take Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame. Yeah, a little bit higher. And my reason is this. You can use him help in the backcourt. You don't have to look too far for this pick. Uh, played at Notre Dame, grew up in Indiana. He started every ACC game as a freshman. He gets to his spots really well on the floor. He's a plus athlete. He knows how to score the basketball. He sputtered to the finish line to close down the year. He did. The tournament was not awesome for his stock, but he's young. Does he make the sophomore jump if he went to, back to school? Can the jumper get to a place where he can replicate that game against Wake Forest when he had six threes? He's only – 30% from three this past season. Uh, it's a little bit of a sling. The legs are, are a little crazy, but that's not broken. It's fixable. Just turn your shoulders a little bit. It's repetition. It's muscle memory. I'm higher on him than most here. I get it. This is the start of the range for me. Make the reach a little bit early. You don't need him. Another guy, you don't need him right away with Zach Levine and Kobe White and Lonzo Ball. So you can take his time to get there. And just a, a guy that I'd kind of draft and stash internally and put him in the developmental system. I'm glad that he's wearing my jersey. Yeah, I get that. Like, it, I'm just not quite as high on Wesley because I don't know if he can uh, shoot at the end of the day. Like, if he doesn't shoot, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> Trouble shoot pass. Go shoot. Yeah. But he has really high upside as a creator. He has really high upside as a powerful athlete that can get into the paint and uh, actually make moves like his ability to counter what defenses present to him uh, in isolation and ball screen situations is very high. So yeah. I get it. Okay. I am up at number 19, the Minnesota Timberwolves. I am going to go Usman Jeng here. I think that it makes some sense for them because they won't necessarily rely on him to be a primary creator. I think that his passing ability, his ability to process the game at a really high level is going to fit well as more of like a combo three foreman that you can pair with Jalen McDaniels uh, on the wing next to Anthony Edwards, next to Carl Anthony Towns, next to Jared Vanderbilt, particularly who I really like on defense as well. Uh, and I think that Jeng's ability to make those passing reads, maybe shoot at some point, kind of outweighs the athletic concerns that I have with him. Uh, he is like not a phenomenally like twitchy athlete, no. right? I think he's going to go in like the draft way higher than this, like in the actual draft that happens next Thursday. No, he's going to go way higher than this, I think. Um, but. I'm a little bit lower. It seems like you are as well, mostly because I don't see him as like a potential yeah. primary creator, like even like a second unit creator. I see him as a guy that like attacks closeouts, maybe makes shots, you know, hopefully can have some defensive versatility and makes it work that way. I have him 20th. 
Uh, as a 6'10 wing, he's one of the youngest guys in the draft. Much more perimeter-based than on the interior right now. It's it's just a funky game of like drives and floaters, making plays off the dribble. I like the creativity. Has to get tougher. Has to rebound better for his size. Get him in the weight room, see if it pays off in a few years down the line. Yeah. Okay. You're up. Number 20. Okay. I fist pumped. Um, I'm psyched. This has been a great day for me up to this point. This is a guy I have about five spots higher. With the 20th pick, the San Antonio Spurs select Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. I am psyched. I would love it if he falls this far. Very productive college player with a massive frame and wingspan. 18-4-4 while shooting 51% from the field, 39% from three, 81% of the free throw line. He's a stud. I I know San Antonio seems to have all these 6-4-6-6 guys. The talent's too high to pass on. Because the positional roster fit isn't the cleanest, doesn't really matter to me. Uh, also, Justin received before this, I saw a tweet by Jonathan Giovanni, invited to the green room. So uh, his stock is, has raised as much as anyone as we've all kind of went back, looked at the film, gone through pre-draft. He showed that he'll play in the combine. Uh, he showed that during the interview process, he was this late bloomer that knows how hard he has to work to get there. He fits the Spurs culture. I love this pick at 20. Love it. I love this brand for you where you've become combine guy. Like <laughs> when, when did this happen? Like when did you become, uh, Oh, we, we need to, we need to do measurements. Of the combine guy. When did we you become, do. We need to Why? Oh, oh, oh yeah. You're anti-information. Like, but I don't, I don't want to know how big he is. Like what are we talking about? I want to get my hands on as much stuff as possible. I just like ballers, man. I like guys who are going to play. I like bones Highlands. Like strap them up. Let's go put on shoes. Let's do it. I like their Jaquavon uh, Smith. Like I'm going to play, man. Like, I don't care. Tell me what to do. Tell me what, what to do. Guys that don't yeah. play in the combine, they slide. He did. He was good enough to show that he can have worth and value. Give me the combine. Give me the Spurs. Primo out of the combine. Jalen Williams out of the combine. Next year, I'm going to draft the Spurs again. Take another combine guy. <laughs> Kermit Wilt's played in hustle. You can play too. Let's do it. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Yep, I know. <laughs> it's beautiful. I'm so happy. You can take whatever. I'll auto-draft. I'll, I'll do like the, the X button, you know, the fantasy folder just like jumps over you, take like four quarterbacks in a row. Yeah. I'm good. I got my guys. This would have been my pick as well. Uh, it's just funny that you've become combine guy to me. <laughs> um, okay, number 21, the Denver Whatever. Nuggets still have this pick. They acquired number 30 recently. Okay. I'm taking Oshag Baja. Uh, I was going to say, when's this going to happen? Next, I had him 17th. Like, I'm like, when's this happening? It's just a strong fit across yeah. the board, I think. Like Ochai Baji is a really good defender, uh, not a great defender, but a really good team defender who will be able to play well in a switching scheme. Obviously, Denver doesn't always run a switching scheme, but I think he'll be able to make it work in a scheme like this where they, you know, sometimes play flatter coverages with Jokic, sometimes play in a pure drop. Like they do a lot of different stuff. I think Mike Malone will enjoy getting to play with him on that end a little bit. And he shoots it. Like I, I believe yes. in Ochai, you know, at the very least being a 37, 38% three point shooter. Obviously, he hit you know, a billion shots early this season, it felt like. But Ochai is going to be able to step in. He's going to be professional. He's going to be really sharp. He's going to be um, someone who can play pretty early, I think, in Denver. And this is a team that getting Michael Porter Jr. back, getting Jamal Murray back, this team should have genuine title aspirations around Nikola Jokic next year. Yeah, and a fun bench with Bones Highland, who we just mentioned too. I've been a big fan of Ochai throughout the year and and the bounce he had from – junior season senior season to become an all-american to win a national championship brings that winning culture and grit to the nuggets i have him about four or five spots higher there's more value on him taking him 20 ish range than we would 12 or 13 so this really plays out yeah no i agree okay you're up at number 22 
Oh, where am I? 20, 22. Memphis, right? Memphis still this pick. This this trade has got my brain a little bit broken. Uh, Memphis at 22. They could use a little bit of a switching forward that can, can step in and contribute. I'm going to go a little bit older here. I'm going to go with Marshawn Beauchamp from the G League Ignite. And the reason I'm sort of reaching here, I have him 23rd on my board, so not crazy. But they, Memphis has drafted really well in recent years with guys like John Morant, guys like Desmond Bain. If you get an older, I almost said freshman, an older rookie that doesn't need as much time but can step in and play 10 to 15 minutes a night, rebound, cutting, slashing, playing out of the mid post as an energy guy off the bench, I think that could be a decent fit there. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I mean, they've had a lot of success figuring it out and developing guys. Yeah. So uh, I'm at the point now, are you at this point with Memphis where you just assume whoever they draft is going to be good? Uh, Yeah, basically. Th- this was the one pick when we were prepping. I knew I had the, the evens, even the odds. I wanted to get like, and Marshall's really, not really the name in this, but I wanted to get kind of like the funkiest guy I could possible because I knew it would just sort of work out. And that wasn't funky. That was kind of just like the... Where I, what I had on the board too, but they need that switching forward. But they've done so well drafting, developing those guys, playing, and, and actually being a, like worthwhile pieces on the floor. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. I'm with it. Uh, okay, number twenty three, the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a tough one. This is a really, really tough one. I think the the highest guy on my board left is Jaden Hardy. Don't know that I love Jaden Hardy. Like if he like totally fits with like Tyrese Maxey, yeah, uh, and James Harden. So I don't know that I'm, so I'm not like, do it. A, a nece- I don't know if that's necessary. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Jake Laravia here. Oh, okay, kind of came down to Laravia or EJ Liddell for me. Uh, two guys like I, I have Jake just slightly higher than EJ because I think that his offensive fit is going to be a little bit better. Um, just the passing, the shooting. I think he's more of a role player, whereas EJ was just like a great college player that will figure it out in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But I think Jake is like tailor made to be able to play in the NBA at a high level because of that uh, ability to pass, the ability to process, the ability to shoot it at a really, really high level. Um, I'm assuming that. Look, this comes again from no inside information other than just like we know nothing. Yeah, like knowing how Daryl Morey tends to feel about draft picks. Like I would think this pick is up for like a potential move in the same way that number right. 30 was up for it, number 26 has been up for it for a while. You know, like you said, we mentioned Dallas a couple of weeks ago. I-, I would think that this pick has real potential to move depending on who falls here, but uh yeah, I- I'm going to go Laravia and just kind of, you know, pick him and assume that maybe someone else might be picking here. I don't know. Larry, <laughs> you're pretty good, but you might not be here. Uh, good. In the Honestly, may, I mean, if, he, if he, that's, he, if that's the vein, I probably should just pick Jaden Hardy, but you know, that's fine. He, he, he shot well in pre-draft in the combine combine guy over here, then shut it down. Um, I get it. I do. You go back and you watch Wake Far stuff and, and he was the gasoline to their engine and statistically uh, a very good shooter and made plays on the mid post was a good passer, a very good cutter too. So you mix that with their guards, and I, I like that pairing. Yeah. Okay, number 24, you're up. 24 is a fun one. I have the Milwaukee Bucks, and they took the Celtics to seven games. So it's not like they were that far off. And a healthy Chris Middleton, they could be in the NBA Finals. We can't live in that sort of world, but that's the truth. So you don't need to make this mammoth swing. I, I didn't see this slide happening, 
but I'm going to take EJ Odell here. And here's why. You can play him and Giannis at the same time because of Giannis defensively where he can be all over the floor. If you want to kind of go smaller and go away from like the Lopez and, and Bobby Portis look here per se. And I just, I see that of, you, you could also use a, another shooter. I don't know if the guy's like screaming at me of who that could be. The shooting kind of killed them in the playoffs. But hey, with, with Chris Middleton there, it might be a little bit better. Uh, EJ was super productive this year. He shot it at a higher clip than we anticipated. Uh, you mentioned it somewhere. I forget if it's the last pot or whatever. I don't know if necessarily the the shot from three is going to always be there because you. I think it was down to note this morning. It's a flat shot the way it comes off his hand. So you can be deceived a little bit by the numbers. But again, super productive, uh, had, had a great season at Ohio State. I, I like the fit. I like the pairing with the guys that they have around at Milwaukee. Yeah, I don't mind this. This is a reasonable pick, I think, in every way. Um, he fits a lot of what they want. He is a smart defender. He's a great weak side rim protector. He is a tough uh, physical dude. As long as he shoots, he's definitely going to play in the NBA for a while. Yep. Okay. I'm up for San Antonio at 25. For San Antonio, we have taken what? We have taken Dyson Daniels, and then you took who at 20? For I took Jalen Williams. You took Jalen Williams. Okay. Yep. So number 25, look, I can't imagine that Greg Popovich wants three rookies in there. Like, that doesn't seem like something he'd like. I'm going to go Ishmael Kamagate. A center out of Paris. He won the Defensive Player of the Year award uh, in the Paris in the French League this year. He is a really interesting prospect. He's not a complete package yet by any stretch. He is someone that is very light on his feet. He has real recovery ability. He has real ability to uh, just kind of make havoc happen defensively in a real way his pick and roll like angles and uh, awareness of where he needs to be positionally needs to improve Mm -hmm. but he has such real tools a six foot 11 guy with a seven foot four wingspan who makes very high level weak side rim protections who makes high level um just like blocks on the ball like out Mm -hmm. of drop a lot of the time like he's very effective there to me like we're looking for robert williams types right Right. and i know that jalen duran like that's been the ideal for him i think he's more deandre jordany whereas like kamagate is more on the like uh more on the Robert Williams side of the equation because of how light on his feet he is. Uh, It's going to take some time offensively. He's a good finisher around the basket. He makes some high-level passing reads right now. Uh, And again, for me, part of this is I don't think San Antonio wants three rookies in there. Kamigate, I have him at 29 on my board. I think I have, uh, let's see, one, two, three four guys ahead of him still part of this is pure. I just think it's a stash for San Antonio. Yeah, it could be. And I like, or a, or a pick to trade to be honest. And and I like taking a center at 25 as opposed to taking them early with right. the, the Dyson Daniels pick. So there's more value to this. Uh, the, what you have your co portal. So he doesn't have to step in and, and play the day one either. So you, this can be a, a slower development. Another guy in the San Antonio Spurs lab to mold into what they think it could be at the very least rim runner, Rim protector, dunk block shots. Let's use the playoffs and, and build off of that. The playoffs okay. that we're watching okay. right now. Be, be Robert Williams. 
You are up at number 26. Yep, so this threw me off. So 26 is now the Rockets, correct? After this last trade. It we is the Rockets now. Let's go. Okay, so I'm going to take a different pick. Uh, with 26 with the Rockets. So they have taken, who do we take? Ty Ty Washington. And Paulo. And Paulo, right. So I'm just going to go with a little bit of defense from the wing here. Can maybe use shooting, but I'm going to go with Kendall Brown from Baylor. Uh, okay. I know I know the offense isn't really there. He was good in transition, but an, an up and down guy that can defend multi spots. Uh, his speed and how he used it was his best attribute. I would say uh, the first game or two of the season, he had like nine assists. And we thought we'd see more of that facilitating from the wing spot. It tapered off a little bit. He overthought on offense. All his stuff was just set threes, or it was cuts and rebounds and quick little posts and and you flash the high post and you rip through, do one dribble. There's more offensively that that he could do in time there. Uh, that's a comfortable defensive pick that I would make for the Rockets 26 based on the other guys they have. Need to improve the defense. We talked about Shangun's l- limits and how the liability he could be with Paul Bancaro. So let's add a little defense to our haul here with our third pick. Yeah, love it. Sounds great. I don't really have a take. Uh you know, makes makes total sense. They can use more move defensive on. versatility. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay, number twenty-seven. I am finally going to end the Jaden Hardy slide. I'm taking okay. him for the Miami Heat. I have him twenty-six. Uh, yeah, this is a team that I have Jaden Hardy at twenty, uh, and this is a slide largely because I know that Matt is not really a fan, and because for it's me, a fault. lot of the teams. Well, yeah, it is. Uh, for me. <laughs> it's a thing where i just didn't love the fit of him in philadelphia i did not love the fit of him uh, with san antonio just looking to stash that pick at the end of the day Mm -hmm. so i go with Jaden hardy here at 27 i'm ecstatic i think he has real upside as a shot creator shot maker i love him when he starts mixing the passing and playmaking ability with his ability to score the basketball or at least create shots uh i think that he is Someone that has a real chance to be like an upside guy in the way that Jordan Poole was uh, back in the day for the Warriors. He just needs that mindset adjustment, just 10% uh, to be more willing to pass and play make more often. Miami would be perfect for him. Perfect. If perfect. I was him, yeah. I would be praying that I end up in Miami because I think that putting him next to Jimmy Butler, next to Tyler Hero, next to Bam Adebayo, these guys would really, really make it work at a high level. Well, next to Pat Riley, who's, I think, 77, who challenged someone to a push-up contest this week, you got to be tough to play there. You do. And, and we worry about a little bit of his defense, his shot selection. That stuff will all be reeled in. Uh, I really like that pick and that fit. Don't yell at us. I think Miami's great. And for a lot of rookies, where you shake out and the people in the locker room you have around you are enormous in the process that you have as as a rookie and as a pro, that would be a great place for him. Okay. Penny, you're up at number 28. 28, I have the Golden State Warriors that are close to winning an NBA championship. Uh, They don't need to go super young here. They have enough younger guys. I'm going to go a little bit older, a little bit lesser project, a little bit probably more of a finished product. And I'm going to go with Christian Brown. He is older than... I'm so mad that you did this to me. I was so uh, ready. (laughs) He's older than Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody, and he's one month younger than James Wiseman. Uh, I think, and Sam will, will add to this in his anger here for his last pick. 
he was a, a guy that grew on Sam, that grew on me as we went back. And I love his toughness. I love the approach that he brings. The shot, does does it work? Does it translate? It does have a dip. It does take some time. But he's great getting on transition, scoring, defending, rallying stuff up. That would be the type of guy I'd love to have off the bench in Golden State that makes a few big plays, gets the crowd into it, can sub back out, and then come back later in the game. So to get him at, at 28, I'm psyched. Yeah, I have uh, Christian Brown at 23. So I love this pick. Uh, Jacob, my, my man, Jacob. Oh, boy. Christian Brown, B-R-A-U-N. Love you, buddy. <laughs> hey, hey, we're good. Oh, my God. This is terrific. Uh, okay, number 29. The Memphis Grizzlies. I'm so glad I get to pick for the Grizzlies. That's fun. Yeah, we just assume that they're going to make good decisions, almost like universally, <laughs> right? Um, and we assume that guys that get picked by the Grizzlies are going to be good. And I would love it if Bryce McGowan's would go to the Grizzlies. They could use a secondary playmaker ball handler type like Bryce McGowan's. Uh, they also, in my opinion, would be good for him because they would do a good job of kind of ironing out like the shot selection issues that... Uh, you know, he, he kind of had it in Nebraska this year from time to time. Totally. Uh, I am a fan of Bryce McGowan's upside. This is, an, this is a situation that would allow him to put on weight, that would allow him to put on uh, some strength early in his career, sit for a little while, and then uh, be able to play. Yeah, I like that one. That's easy. Uh, I have him lower. I have him 35th, but that's a, a good Memphis guy that Memphis gets, puts him in, in there program system whatever and just finds a way to work and that's a guy that I, i'd want to try to have work we had him i i took him like in the top 10 in our first mock draft early in the year i buy the tools i buy the length just has to get stronger be more consistent all right you are you are up penny at number 30 as i try to get words out and speak english it won't be josh minot as much as i would like it to be uh we haven't taken nikola jovic yet have we no i'm going to take him with 30 uh, as a big shooter, scorer, yes, has to improve the defense. I'd like him to pass the ball more. There's too much talent to say past 30 that he's he's who I have right here as best player available. I do. There's, there's a few other guards that may make sense. Uh, I know the fit may not be the cleanest, but a, a guy projected in top 10, top 15 for a, a long time this year. Overseas was up and down this past season. Uh, I, I'm not going to let him slide out of the first round. So that will be my last pick in this uh, Game three mock draft. You just did this because now the Denver Nuggets have Nikola Jovic. Yep. I double-checked the spelling, spelling because I didn't want to say the, the wrong one either. So, yes, that's why I did that. The tongue twister, oh winner of this draft. Oh, my God. You're a mess. Yep. Okay. Here, hold on. Uh, some some guys here that, uh, that I would have liked to pick if I had more picks. Can we, can we talk that? Yeah, let's do it real quick. We're going to take some questions from the comments, folks. Wow, uh, I, I like think that, that Jacob is going to send out a siren call here, and we're going to have Jack, uh, Jacob and Zach come on and ask some questions for you guys. So, Penny, who are some of the guys that were left on your board? before? We I really like that? Ryan Rollins. Ryan Rollins, I think I'm higher on than consensus. Yeah. I had about 25th, just combo guard scorer. Once I get to that 20 range, the fits weren't like perfect for me with the the even numbers here. Uh, I have Kenny Chandler. I don't think we picked. I have him 24th, 5th ish. Uh, Walker Kessler, 27th. Christian Coloco, 30th. Those are all my my first roundish guys. And yeah, I love Peyton Watson. Somebody takes a swing on him or Max Christie. I'd, I'd understand that too. 
Yeah, so guys that did not get taken here for me, uh, Max Christie at 27, I believe, is my highest. Walker Kessler at 30. Uh, Wendell Moore, 31. Gabriel Presida, 32. Ryan Rollins, 33. So, yeah, I mean, Tre- Trevor we, Keels, we kind of figured it out. Yeah, uh, 37. Yeah, 37 like as well. Nice. Great. Yeah. Perfect. No, but it's still, like that, that 30-ish, that could fall in the right place. Okay. We're going to take questions here. We've got a few questions in the comments. I'm going to add Jacob and Zach to the stream here. All right. Let's go. Draft questions, but we're here. Oh, let's go. All right. We got the boys on the stream. The Brady Bunch is here. You guys get to pick the questions here. By all means, whoever wants to read, uh, you guys go first. Jacob and Zach. Uh, Zach, I'll let you that. Some of that UNC communication. Let's go. <laughs> you guys are smart. Jacob, right? you want me to go test. first? You're going to test there, right? Yeah, man. You've been lurking in the shadows. We'll let you get some, some reading. I, I got a question direct from Bryant Singleton. What teams do you expect to send their pick to the G League for most of next year? Oh, that's a good question. I would say most, to be honest. Um, <laughs> One down. Yeah, no, like that's a glib answer, I guess. Uh, and anyone from, you know, 12 on down, I think has a real shot to play significant G League minutes yeah. next year. Obviously, like a team like Atlanta right now is very full in terms of their roster. And there just aren't going to be a lot of situations where these guys just have time at the end of the day. Like it, it depends so much on where these guys get picked. Uh, and, you know, someone like Golden State, whoever Golden State takes, if they keep this pick, they are going to have that guy spend time in the G League next year. So it's all situational, I think, at the end of the day. Golden State, Atlanta, they stand out. Um, San Antonio certainly stands out just because of the sheer yeah, number three, of young guys that they and, have. And, and three picks, yeah. And Primo spent a yeah. lot of time there last year. I mean, I was surprised, and, and Sam, you probably were too, one of the, the draft rise darlings last year, James Booknight, spent a ton of time in the G League. So there's probably another guy that we aren't, aren't even really anticipating yet that could spend a majority of his minutes there and work his way up to the roster once he's ready to contribute. Yeah, Kai Jones, I think, is uh, another example of that for yeah. uh, Charlotte that had to play a lot of time in the G League last year. So it's all situational depending on what guys, you know, go where. Let's see. A lot of questions here. All right. Jonathan, I'm not sure if this is Sheaves or Chavez, but any sure. chance the Pelicans look to move their pick on draft day? Could they go development route and pick Sharp? Who's most likely? I mean, Matt definitely picked Shaden Sharp in this (laughs) thing. Yeah, I did. Um, We went development here. Yeah, no, I I think that they could look to move the pick. If I was them, I wouldn't. I would just keep this and pick another guy for their core. They have a really young core with Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson uh, as their top two guys, Herb Jones and Trey Murphy. I'm a big fan of those guys as well. I would probably just take a young guy and have have that guy build with the core. But uh, David Griffin does like the wheel and deal. So it's not crazy. Good, good wheel and deal, but Sam made the, the call out here on the show earlier that I don't know if they're going to be picking this highly again for a while. So I don't know if I would ship it out there unless I felt really good about what I'm getting on a return. Like I'd rather have eight yep. than roll the dice and have a, a late first and a mid first two years from now. Yep. All right. I guess it's back to me then, Jacob. Um, so I saw a comment way at the start of the stream that's been 
in the back of my mind this whole time, which GM's seat is hottest for this Boy. draft, which, cause they said Ooh. this draft really feels like a draft that might get a GM fired. Which GM Ooh. could that be? Jesus. Trying to, trying to get Pass. me fired, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let, let's do I this, look, though, right? Let, let's do this, right? Like yeah. Orlando, here's the top top five picks. Orlando is safe. They're developing, right? I, I would say. Oklahoma City, San Presi is safe. They're developing. Houston, they're a, a top three pick. Sacramento, they're – I don't think see anybody in the top six or seven, or maybe I'm way off here. There's No, not th- like, there's, you, there's a real answer there, Matt. It, and it's actually the easiest cop-out answer. It's Sacramento. And it's yeah, because well, I was Monty trying Morris, to be nice to the Kings for once. I knew that was the answer. But I was trying well, to say, no, like, no, 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 no. And it, it has nothing to do with Monty, Mor- or Monty McNair. I'm sorry. I said Monty Morris a second ago. It has nothing to do with Monty McNair's performance. It purely has to do with the fact that he's on an expiring contract now. True. And Good if he screws this contract up, pain. like, it, it, he, has, he has the hottest seat, I think, by far. Among Does, all of these guys. And, and you know what? Let's use that for context. Does it get hotter if they say, we're going to take Shaden Sharp and Jaden Ivey goes fifth to Detroit and lights the league on fire as rookie of the year? Does that like make it even hotter? Almost certainly. Yeah. Take Jaden Ivey, please. I think this might be best question of the night, hands down. And I'm only doing it because you guys kind of brought it up on your last recording. So the real question is from Fluffiest Walrus, how high would Josh Primo be picked in this draft? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought I thought I thought we faced all our uh I thought we faced all the primo questions. When we answered last time the primo all star question. Um uh, so we had Johnny Davis go what, tenth? Uh I would take him over him. Sam you can ear muff it. I would take Ow. him over yeah. I'm surprised uh, you would take him over he's a, he's a, knowing how much you love Johnny Davis. I do, but Primo, I think, can play point guard minutes. He's shown that, and he showed when he played the G League night, he lit those guys up. Uh, he's better than Dyson Daniels, who we took ninth. I'd take him ahead of that. Uh, yeah, I for me, comfortably top eight, and then we can talk fit about is it Shane Sharp, is it Ben Matherin, is it I, – I definitely have Ivy ahead of him. Like I don't think he's cracking the top four or five. The point was he was 12th a year ago. I said it would be a good pick then, that it would look better in time. I still think that they saved a few spots by taking him then as opposed to if he went back to school. I think he would have had a monster year at Alabama. I really do. Okay. Zach, you're up. All right. There's a lot of great questions in this chat. I personally want to know you guys' answers to all of these, but I don't think we can get to them. So maybe I'll consolidate some of them for future recordings. So everybody make sure to keep watching this channel. Um, I like this one from Joshua McGuire. Who's your sleeper pick? Outside of a potential top five, who's your sleeper pick to win Rookie of the Year? Okay. Huh. This is a good one. This is a great one. Let, let's assume that – let's remove Keegan Murray and Ben Matherin from okay. this because I yeah. think that – Keegan was my choice. You know, yeah, they're both potential top five picks. Go ahead, Sam. You're up. I'm, I'm looking through my board. It's all crossed out here. Yeah, this is a hard one. This is a really great one. Honestly, like Johnny Davis, I think is going to come in and like make an impact. Uh, like I, I, I like if Johnny he... Davis. I have him as a top ten guy. I, yeah, like I, I think it would require Paulo getting hurt and like Jabari Smith getting hurt and Jaden Ivy maybe like going to a scheme that doesn't make sense for him. But yeah, like Johnny Davis, uh, I think is going to come in. He's going to make an impact. He's going to defend at a high level. He's going to create shots. Yeah, I like it. 
It's I would say Johnny if he's on Washington. I think it becomes a little bit of a, a shakier proposition. It's like New York, you just don't know minutes and how short the lease is going to be, how long it's going to be. They need offense, they need scoring and defense with Washington next to Brad Beal. They kind of need that number two ish guy. I would I would vote for him if he ends up with Washington at ten. Okay. Here we go. Jacob, you're up. Okay, so this is an interesting one, especially because you guys were kind of going by the pig, not really thinking about trades or anything. <clears throat> so, Keezus Production says, here's one. Do you think any team will slash can trade up into these top three? I wouldn't be surprised Ooh, if a team like New Orleans, San Antonio, or Indiana gave up the farm to get into that top three. I mean, if I was New Orleans, I'd be doing everything I can to get my hands on Chet Holmgren. I will say that. What's what define everything though? Because I do think that it's I don't want to say King's ransom, but it's probably going to take a lot to get into the top three. This isn't like hey, here's a player and a pick. It'll yeah. probably be a couple picks, a player, a guy like developmentally who's pretty good, and not just for that pick. It would be matched up with like somebody else there. But there's not a, a really clean thing either that I think goes there with New Orleans. Like who do you give up? Well, New Orleans pick, has all of switch, right? they, well. They, well, you switch eight and three. They have all yep. of the picks from the Anthony Davis deal. They have the picks yep. from the Drew Holiday deal. Um, I mean, do you like? I give up Herb Jones pretty easily, and Herb Jones fits the fits the Fred oh Katz, uh, Andre Robertson, Josh Eustis All Stars that the <laughs> Oklahoma City Thunder tend to love. Right. Um, honestly, I love Trey Murphy. I absolutely love Trey oh, Murphy every way. I think you give up two picks, Trey Murphy and number eight to get into the top three. Or to, if I am getting, if I can get Chet Holmgren, right. who actualizes every single thing that Zion Williamson does on the court, I do that. That is but a buddy, for anyone that's a buddy else, cop that's comedy waiting to happen with just like the pure dimensions of Chet and Zion next to each other. That know, would be, right? a, that would actually be the best NBA jam team of all time. Okay. Uh, I, I want to take one real quick from Jack Miller. Uh, if you had to lay a percentage on it, what are the odds of Jabari versus Chet at number one? Mocks all have Jabari, like but that. betting odds are really close right now. Uh, you're the bet guy, so I'm going to defer to you to start. Uh, but but it's it's yeah. shifted. It, it shifted significantly. Jabari was the heavy favorite. It's come down. I don't know what it is as of this recording, but I, I bet it's pretty close, the, the two of them together. Yeah. Um. Someone asked me this last night. The the numbers that I threw out were like, I think I said, like, I would say that Jabari should be minus 165 or so okay. and to go number one, a, a favorite, but not like, you know, the overwhelming favorite where you can't make any money on it. Uh, I think that, you know, there's what, like a 60 plus percent chance he goes number one, something mm-hmm. like that, 60, 65 and then I would have Chet at like one, one thirty-five, one thirty, plus one thirty. Uh, if you made me handicap it right now, which it sounds like is what Jack wants, and I, knowing Jack, that's what Jack wants in terms of the odds. <laughs> that's good handicap. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, do you have any? You have no thoughts, right, Penny? No, that 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 makes sense. They're they're not. Look, I'm not, again, don't aggregate. Everyone block their ears. I don't think Orlando has written in, in marker who that number one pick is. I don't. Now, I don't I don't think they'll go crazy, and I don't think it'll be Jaden Ivey or, or Shaden Sharp, but probably 
one of the three, Paolo, Cheddar, Jabari, and really one of Cheddar, Jabari. Okay. Uh, Zach, you're up. I'm going to do two um, more, by the way, as a heads up. All right. So, again, a lot of great questions in the chat. I've kind of formed my own based on some of the ones we've seen here. So a couple of years ago, we saw, again, we go to UNC, I know this, uh, Cam Johnson came out of nowhere to be 11th pick in the draft. Can't help Do yourself. you see – oh, I can't. No, not a chance. Do you see anybody <laughs> making a jump from maybe late second round to let's go early first round, first first half of the first round? Are there any players you think a team might take a huge swing on? Brady Manic. 100%. Thank <laughs> you for getting the Caleb script. Caleb Love sold the draft, right? Show. Is yep. Caleb Love on here? I can't find him here quite yet. I don't, I don't know no. if there's anything that, that drastic, that crazy. Yeah. But if you tell me Jalen Williams goes 13th, I wouldn't be like yeah. completely shocked either. Like That's the name because uh, we covered him extensively here. He was our prospect of the week, pat on the back, in like January or February as like a, a nice player who averaged 18 points per game like in the WCC where Chet was like, hey, this guy in Santa Clara is kind of cool. Uh, and then was like late first ahead in the 20s. And then I keep watching and like how high is too high. If he climbed up even more so for NBA teams, I, I would get that. Uh, yeah, my answer was going to be one of Jalen Williams or Dalen Terry. Dalen, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that both those guys have a real shot to climb up the board and be a bit of a surprise. Uh both of them were kind of late risers throughout the process. Uh, Cam Johnson, like a team just fell in love, right? Like at the end of the day, Cam Johnson, if I remember correctly, was not invited to the draft even. Like he was not he was not in the green room. And frankly, like in the hours before that draft, people were texting me saying like, we think there's a chance he falls like pretty substantially. And then Phoenix just loved him and yeah. took him. So, you know, it could really be someone that we're not thinking of at all. Like if someone took Blake Wesley at number 12, like, do I think that's a good pick? Not really, but it took him 18, but that's, but that's the best. And and I want to say this and I want to encourage people because we're in such an immediacy society, turn off your notifications, turn off like the next pick's going to be this guy, that guy. Uh, don't spoil it. Have Adam Silver announce the name. If he gets out of health and safety protocols, please get well soon. That's not a, that's not a rib. I'm just saying he wasn't at the finals game the other night. I love it when it's like WWE style, Royal Rumble style, hits the music, everybody goes nuts. I want to hear the name and be like, how is Jalen Williams going 12th? Like, yeah, come on, be long for the ride. We, we've made it this far in the draft. Don't spoil it 30 seconds before the pick. Who cares? Yeah. Is, is Dale and Terry invited to the – Green room. Because uh, I'm trying look. to think guy that's like not invited to the green room. Like that Jaylen, would be my pick. Jalen Williams is. Uh, I'll, I'll yes. look as we're here about the the formal list. I know Jonathan Javoni tweeted it. Here it is. Pull it up here in real time. Uh, Dalen Terry is not. The the bottom okay. kind of half of guys, Agbaji, Mark Williams, Malachi Branham, Terry Eason, Jalen Williams, Ty Ty Washington, Marshawn Beauchamp with an invitation, but no Dalen Terry. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Okay, Jacob, last question of the night. Pick a good one. First off, got to echo Penny because don't be the guy that ruins the draft. We used to have a friend that we would literally like hide his phone because he would always be like, oh, <laughs> dude, you guys don't know who they're about to take, man. And I'm like, yeah, I don't. That's the point. Well, but- <laughs> that, that, that's what happened to me with Josh Primo. I had a buddy who's an, an agent text me and said, like, you did it. And I thought it was because I mocked Corey Kispert to the Spurs with that pick. I think that makes sense of where it lined up or something like that. I didn't even like process it could have been Josh Primo and I didn't look at the tweet, just the text. And they said, the San Antonio Spurs, like Josh Primo was like, Oh my God. It was like even better. Cause I anticipated something else. So don't be that guy. Don't do it. Yeah. 
Um, Sorry, so my question kind of inspired because there's a lot of Mark Williams and Jalen Duran chatting here. So if you're a team like the Hornets, right, you need a center. But let's say you have the option for like a go bear package or something like that. Is it worth it to mm. trade for the go bear package? Or do you think keeping the pick and taking a Williams or Duran is worth it? I keep the pick. I would because you're going to give him a lot to get Rudy, Rudy Gobert, and despite being Defensive Player of the Year, and this has been beaten to the ground too. Like there, there are problems in the playoffs. There are issues when they go small. I'd rather have those issues with like the 13th pick overall than emptying out my cupboard of assets to go get that guy. Still a very good player, but I would just take the pick. Yeah, I think it would depend where I am in my team building cycle. So if I'm the Hawks and I have Trey Young and I need to find a way to actualize Trey Young, who is ready to compete now defensively. Uh, Trey's not ready to compete defensively, but he's ready to compete like on a high level uh, in the playoffs, as he proved last season. Yep. Uh, I would probably trade for Rudy Gobert. I would. And the reason for that is I think that Trey, you can't play him in a switch scheme. You can't play Rudy in a switch scheme. So why not actualize what Trey Young can do uh, at a high level by getting Rudy and playing him in the scheme that you have to play already because you have Trey Young, get the best defensive player in the world and go from there. Uh, I really like that idea. Uh, but if I'm Oklahoma City, no, I just take one of the young guys because I'm building this younger position right now uh, at the end of the day. So I, I would go I, – I, it's a cop-out, I guess, but it would depend on where I am in terms of my team-building strategy. Yeah, Totally. All right, Penny, we're going to remove Jacob and Zach from the chat. Boys, it's good to see you. We'll be back. Absolutely. Soon. All right. Do you have anything else you want to talk about here? I've not watched any movies uh, since we've chatted last. Literally. You wrote wrote 93,000 words. Uh, I watched a few, but this has been a long episode. We don't have to dive in there if you don't want to. Yeah. No, we can. If you, do you Quick, have takes? We'll do lightning round. Uh, because I'm a combine guy, I did watch Hustle with Adam Sandler. And, uh, <laughs> let's let's hold like say what you thought of Hustle, but let's actually do like a Hustle discussion a, a hustle at some episode. point. Uh, like I, I like I liked it. Yeah. It's almost like I'm too close to it. We're too close to it. That I was nitpicking stuff, and then once I said it out loud, I'm like, oh, I'm just being a hater. Kermit not out here. Like, give me a break. You're out here nitpicking Adam Sandler's understanding of the draft. I responded somebody. Uh, you know what? I want to do spoilers. We'll, we'll get into it later. So I, I saw that. Oh, uh, I saw Jurassic Kingdom. Uh, I, yeah. I am up there probably top five percentile of Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, Jurassic Kingdom fans. I was disappointed. I didn't like it. Uh, oh, yeah. I think it's a pretty basic formula, but they somehow messed that up. What you saw, you tell me saw in theaters. My flight delayed coming home from a, a camp at IMG Academy from Under Armour. It was delayed four hours. Had to kill some time. I saw Top Gun, and it was awesome, and I loved it, aside from the weird like Tom Cruise intro. Like, hey, guys, you're really going to like this movie we made called Top Gun. Thanks for what, what are we doing. Uh, but it was great. I thought Miles Teller was fantastic, uh, playing on the piano, saying, goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Uh, it hit all the right spots. It was not perfect, but something that I could like watch again and, and be happy. That that's like a TBS movie forever in the background. I'm gonna have to watch certain scenes. Oh, I loved it. It's so good. It's yeah. just a perfect. It, it's exactly what I wanted from it, and it's just a more. I love Tony Scott, who made the first Top Gun movie, but it was like one of his first movies. 
this movie is a more well-crafted movie than the first Top Gun. And, and, um, I'll, and I'll add this too. Earmuffs, if you haven't seen it. I loved how they incorporated Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer's gone through some personal health stuff. And Tom Cruise said, yeah. no, no, no. He, he's in this movie. We'll, we're going to find a way. I love that. Yeah. Okay. That's about all I've got. Penny, tell the people where they can find your work. Find me on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. We are close. We are so close. The draft is one week away, one week and a night away, a day away. So we're uh, we're getting there. Hang on with us. We got a couple of cool things coming in, and that that means we do. Too. Yeah. Really excited. We're gonna have a live draft show similar to this on draft night, breaking down the draft. Uh, we will uh, also have another show. I think I'm gonna do an off season preview show uh, later on this weekend. Actually, breaking down some stuff. Uh, might have another draft show before the draft as well. We'll see. It'll depend on some things on my end. I, I have a couple of fun guests that I'm trying to get, uh, and we will see whether or not it actually happens. But for Matt Penny, I'm Sam Vecini. This has been the Game Theory Podcast. Please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can support to support the show. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please, please, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, I think that's all I got, though. Until next Perfect. time. We'll talk soon. Bye.